Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. My name is Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen and Company, and this is the Risk and Reward Podcast. Today we have two very special guests, as always, but these are probably more special than most. We have Katie Wyatt and Leah Hacker uh, joining us today. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great. Yeah. Doing well. Yeah. It's a busy time of year for you guys. It is very busy right now <laughs> for us. We are, I think, in five different states over the next three weeks traveling. Oh, yeah. That is, that's a lot. Are we at least taking airfare or are we doing road trips? Oh, uh, travel by air for this one. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to go to Oklahoma, Arizona, North Carolina, New York, and f- I guess really four, but Florida if you count traveling yeah. around Florida. So we're not keeping it regional. No, not, not this <laughs> month. Fantastic. What about you, Leah? Yes. Very busy. Got in from New York last night around midnight. Uh, we're kicking off, I think, four projects in the next two weeks. So the team, yeah, we're all Mach 2 with our hair on fire. I think I went to Bartow last week, so that was good. That was, <laughs> that's where I travel. Had to get to the big city. Yeah, it is. You got to get out of town a little while. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, I'd like to start every podcast with who are you and what do you do? So we'll go ahead and start with Katie. I am a a director, producer with uh, Indie Atlantic Films here in Lakeland, and then also uh, recently uh, started Indie Atlantic Studios with three other people, Um, and I'm a director uh, slash, I guess, co-founder of Indie Atlantic Studios. So I uh, produce and direct and edit films for lots of different clients, uh, and then also make original content like documentaries. Okay, so but there's one big documentary that you actually have out right now. That is on that's on different streaming services. Yes, uh, Fly Like a Girl, a documentary about women in aviation, uh, and it is on Hulu and other video on demand services such as Amazon and uh, Apple. That's really, I mean, it's really cool that we see a you know a Lakeland-born documentary out there hanging out on a major streaming service. So congratulations, that's that's Thank not you. a small deal. Thank you. That's a big deal, Leah. I I am the CEO and founder of Rebel. We are a research and strategy firm, so we work with companies to help them identify who their target market is, what it is that their target market needs, and then how to deliver on those expectations. Which, uh, I mean, and you're no stranger to the podcast or to me because no, you're my been sister. been here before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We really enjoyed you last time. And so um, I, I put all of mine and your past histories of arguments as siblings behind us and decide, you know, might as well just go ahead and wrap it back through. <laughs> So kind. (laughs) So kind. Well, let's go ahead and get into today's topic. So today's topic, you know, we're just uh, we wanted to make sure that we were talking about Women's History Month. And, you know, you guys have done two. you know, both of you have really big backgrounds um, in the field of furthering um, what women are doing in the workforce. I mean, from a from an analytical standpoint, as well as, you know, a, a documentary about you know, women in aviation is a massive deal. So tell, you know, let's just go ahead and get in kind of your story, you know, bring us up to date from where you were, you know, from a, you know, child all the way till now, what's kind of been your personal story. And obviously we got two of you here, so we don't have forever. Um, But I'd love to hear kind of, I mean, if you can simplify it a little bit, what have you seen? Where are you going? I'll go All for right. it. There you go. Um, I actually uh, grew up, my dad is a, uh, a retired pastor, and so I grew up all over the state of Florida. We moved around uh, quite a bit, but the majority of my middle school and high school years were spent in South Florida and West Palm, where I went to a, um arts high school and studied film and television there. Mm. 
uh, and loved it, uh, loved my experience there. Um, but to kind of connect it with what we're talking about today, I didn't see a ton of women uh, in the field doing things other than uh, being in front of the camera, you know, either as anchors or a host or behind the camera as really like makeup artist and more into the set design and stuff like that. So I didn't see, I don't, I think I had one uh, female teacher professor the entire time I was there in the actual technical side of production. Um, never had one in producing or directing. And so even though I loved film and television and I really thought that was my future, I wasn't going to be an, uh, you know, on camera host. That wasn't my end goal. It wasn't particularly my strong point. Um, and I, I was not, you did not want to see me do hair and makeup or anything like that. There are many talented people <laughs> that do that. I am not one of them. And so I decided that I would go to college and study religion instead. And so I went and did that and graduated and uh, was a worked in some nonprofits and then was a public school teacher for uh, several years. And when we moved to Lakeland um, back in 2009, uh, I was teaching full time, loved teaching. It was a wonderful career that I enjoyed. Uh, shout out to all the teachers out there. Uh, that work really, really hard. It's still to this day, the hardest job I have ever had oh, being I a teacher. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I was at the same time, my uh, brother, Andy, had started uh, Indie Atlantic Films. Uh, he actually started it uh, while he was in college. So around 2006, he was really or maybe it was actually even earlier than that. Uh, was was doing Indie Atlantic Films. And so my um, husband, Matt, also has a background in uh, broadcast journalism. And so he Andy started in Atlantic Films, and then somewhere in the early years, Matt and I started helping him sort of nights and weekends. Uh, we were living in Jacksonville prior to moving here, and so he, Andy moved to Jacksonville, and we were doing all different kinds of film work. Eventually, we all ended up here in Lakeland, uh, and that's a whole other story that we can get into <laughs> right, another right. time. But when we moved here, Matt went full-time with Indie Atlantic, and then at, at some point, it was one summer when I was uh, – off from teaching and we I was working with them and Andy said have you ever considered staying on and doing this more full time and so from there I just it was sort of a, a natural time for me to be able to do that and I left uh, teaching and went to work for Indy Atlantic full time um, and then I think that one of the things that happened was that I finally realized I started seeing more women in this field and I started seeing more directors and producers, which is specifically something that I really wanted to do. And I, I had been listening to a lot of people, talking to a lot of people. I got involved with some organizations that really support women in film work. And also, I mean, I, you know, working with your brother and uh, husband can be a challenge, but they've been hugely supportive of me, uh, even though they sometimes give me a hard time, you know, just as as brothers do. But uh, I, I think that if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have taken that leap and come back to where I think I was really supposed to be. Uh, and in those early days of working with Indie Atlantic, I, I knew I wanted to make documentaries. And so when I approached them, Gosh, it was probably my first year I left teaching. I approached them and said, I want to make a documentary about women in aviation. And to their credit, they didn't fall over and, <laughs> you know, think, what is she doing? Why? Like, she's just now really getting to film work uh, full time. And she wants to make a documentary about women in aviation, which I had zero background in, mm. uh, literally zero background in aviation. Uh, and then the rest is kind of history. And so that's a very quick version of how I got to where I am today. And 
uh, really grateful that they gave me a lot of really wonderful support in those early days when I really was still new, even though I'd had that background in film and television, it was a great way for me to be able to experience um, and learn how to be a better storyteller and and to become more experienced in the film and television world. Mm. What about you, Leah? Yeah, so I grew up in Lakeland um, and throughout college uh, was kind of a non-traditional student. I actually went back to college for my degrees after I was married and had both of my daughters. Um, they often went to college with me. I was the student in biology class with my three-year-old and my my infant. Um, but at times, you know, you do what you got to do. Um, but I studied, so I studied psychology in college, um, thought about going towards the medical degree, thought about nursing, uh, and what I really fell in love with was the process of research, asking questions that had never been asked before, and then really starting to think about solutions or ways that the answer to that question impacts the systems that we work and live in. Um, I studied abnormal psychology, so I started with a focus on ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder. I worked at All Children's Hospital um, in collaboration with USF, the, where, I, where I received my degree. I built a research clinic um, really studying those areas, so big emotions, the things that decision mechanisms that we make, how we craft systems, and how those systems give way to the outcomes and during that period of time, I often was brought into consulting conversations with business owners um, locally and throughout the, the county in Hillsborough County. Um, and I started to fall in love with the question of how behavior impacts business. So instead of pursuing my PhD, which I thought was my original path, I started to pivot and take those really kind of core uh, that core knowledge set or expertise and research and behavior and started to apply it to business. Long story short, I found my way into innovation agencies where I was tasked with building a research team from the ground up amidst creatives, designers, and engineers. Um, and really the questions that we were solving were kind of big innovation questions. How do we create technology or brand experiences that uh, that serve the audience that it's intended to do. One thing that I realized going through that was actually quite a few things, but first of all, companies struggled with how to use research uh, in a way that was effective. They struggled to understand who their audience was on a deeper level and therefore it impacted their outcomes. And then from an operations standpoint, there's a saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, it's true. Innovation tends to fall apart at the operational level um, when it comes time for us to implement it. And the thing that I saw in all sizes of companies, your your largest organizations all the way down to your scrappy startups, was that most of the rooms that I was sitting in, I was the only woman at the conversation. I was the only woman at the table talking about these large strategic initiatives. Um, and as I started to think through that, when it came time for me to open up the doors of Rebel, I started to think about doing things differently. Uh, being a non-traditional student, being a, being a mom who was raising kids and, and studying and kind of working through all of those things, I had a really unique perspective in how 
work plays a role in the life of a woman and what that looks like in action. Um, and so we just, I decided as kind of the founder and CEO of Rebel that we were going to do things a little bit differently. So that's how I got here. That's awesome. Let's go ahead and take our first break and we'll be right back. And we're back uh, with Leah Hacker and Katie Wyatt. And uh, so Leah, you, you were, I loved what you were talking about and I kind of want to talk a little bit more about that, but from, from what you're finding at Rebel, um, whenever you're engaging with these uh, companies, what is the world looking like from a general aspect? So not necessarily just through your eyes, but how are we working through as companies addressing women's needs in the workplace from an operation standpoint, as well as from a consumer standpoint? Because it's, we're way more attentive to it nowadays than we were 20 or 30 years ago. Agreed? Agreed. So uh, how are companies addressing those things right now to make it more of a either the company more desirable to at, from a consumer standpoint or from an employee standpoint? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the key thing is, is collectively, I think we're more aware of the fact that there are gaps within our workplaces um, and how organizations are kind of orienting themselves to at least ask the questions. I do think we're we're moving into a season where we may be tripping over some of the solutions or at least tripping over the questions, but at least the questions are on the table. At least the conversations are being had, which is is a step towards the right direction. So some of the things that we know for sure about women um, in the workplace is that women are paid. We know that women are paid 75 cents for every dollar a man makes. Um, but really, I think the conversation is much, much deeper than that. So as we walked through COVID, it, it opened the door for this idea of flexible workplaces, of remote workplaces, of, and really those kinds of conversations, women are at the forefront of those conversations. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes women are responsible for kind of the majority share of childcare, the majority share of kind of the labor, that emotional labor that goes into the household. And even as fathers are stepping into, um, or their partners are stepping into that conversation, managing a family and all of the things that come with a family is a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So trying to understand from an employee perspective, how we really craft the workplace to give space to allow for people to manage their personal lives, to raise their children, to be a part of those relationships, as well as do exceptionally good work at work. Um, so what does that mean? So companies during COVID were, they, the door was open for remote work. The door was open for flexible work, for this idea of more work-life balance. As we're coming out of COVID, I think a lot of the questions are, we know it can be done. How do we do it well? Mm -hmm. So some of the conversations we're hearing, companies have either, um, they've fallen somewhere in the middle. They're trying to organize a hybrid work schedule where half of the workforce is at home and half of the workforce is remote. That introduces some challenges in and of itself. Companies that are making the decision to stay remote have have now new questions about how do we create a culture? How do we create connection? How do we continue to move the needle forward with uh, a fully remote workforce? And then for companies that have moved back 
everybody returning to the office, business as usual. There are lots of questions about how this is not working for the average woman. The reality is, is that the workplace, there's a lot of good things that our work systems have delivered to us. But the workplace, the nine to five, 40 hours a week clocking into the office was created for one type of employee. Mm -hmm. And as we become more diverse and women become more involved in these conversations, the questions are being asked, it's not working, we need a different solution, and let's at least have the conversation around what that looks like for us to come to work every day. So one of the things that continues to come to the top is women in leadership roles, right? And I love um, one of the major themes in your documentary is the airplane doesn't really know whether you're a man or a woman. And I loved that. That was great. So, I mean, as far as if the if the organism doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, there's clearly things that are being brought to the table from a feminine side as well as a masculine side. What are some of those leadership roles that we're missing out on just because we don't have women in leadership or decision-making roles? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think for um, me, it's it's not even specific like roles, but perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I can speak specifically um, – Let's take aviation as an example. Uh, There is a known aviation shortage right now. I mean, you can see how it affects your flights, flights getting canceled, Uh, you know, airlines struggling to fill roles from all levels, from a mechanic up to a pilot uh, to the, you know, ticketing officer, all that stuff. There's so many different things. So there's a huge shortage right now in aviation. And I think one of the things that was really made clear to me all along in making fly like a girl is that if we're not tapping into 51% of our population to help solve Mm -hmm. that shortage, then we're really missing out and we're not going to solve it. And that we really need to be bringing many different diverse perspectives to the table of how to solve those problems. I I know, and I can't speak for what commercial uh, female pilots go through, but I do know that uh, one of the reasons there is a lower number of female, I think, Worldwide, 6% of the pilot population are women or around 6%. It changes, kind of jumps from 6 to 7 and back below 6, you know, but it stays, hovers around 6 most of the time. One of the struggles is just the rules and regulations about women who are uh, mothers uh, flying and, and some of the things that they can and can't do. And so a lot of women, when they have children, end up leaving, you know, being a pilot for either a short period of time or an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that having the conversations, if we are having a lack of pilots, then we need to be looking at ways we can bring more female pilots into aviation because it's a really practical thing. I mean, yeah. we rely on flight on a daily basis for a million different things, Mm. whether it's getting your Amazon packages, getting to where you need to go, medical transport, whatever it is. And so in practicality, as Leah was saying, we need to be having those conversations or asking those questions. How can we support women more in the workplace uh, by finding solutions that allow them to stay in their job, even when they do have children? Uh, And so it's not just, okay, uh, now this, this pilot has... Uh, had a baby, and so she has to step back from her role for an extended period of time, you know, and and not just, you know, a maternity leave. I mean, and this is, I want to get your take on this too, Leah, after this, but one of the things that I'm noticing is where kids and career were a or situation, it's now becoming more of an and conversation, which is encouraging because I look at, you know, what my family means to me and my wife, our kids 
mean a lot. We it's one of our favorite things. I mean, being a financial advisor is great, but being a dad's way more. And I know how much my wife loves being a mom, right? But you also don't want I just, what a loss if that were an or conversation. And it's very encouraging that that's becoming more of an and conversation. Very much so. I think women, when we put women in positions of leadership, we see, first of all, we know that they are, um, they do a fabulous job of leading through, um, leading through tough times, leading through crisis. Mm -hmm. They are bringing voices of empathy front and center. They have, uh, they, they are doubling their efforts around diversity and inclusivity in the workplace. We know from research that just kind of a broad based and from a global perspective that when a woman is involved in the decision making, the whole community is impacted. Her family's positively impacted, but so is the town she lives in. So is the school system that she that she's involved in. So are the so is the infrastructure that the community around the community around her. Um, and I think that that's an important thing for us to take notice of is that women are women are critical in the conversations because they bring other people with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not really something that I don't know that we've had those kinds of conversations in the workplace or that we're learning. I think we're navigating our way through them. We're learning how to have those conversations. But it's a, the work system is to Katie's point. There is, there's a, I think there's an effort in bringing forward the younger generation and mm-hmm. letting them and empowering them. So it's not an or question. What can you do? How can we, how can we mentor you? How can we educate you? How can we provide opportunities uh, so that you feel confident in taking those? Yeah. I mean, it, the, the amount of weight uh, that is on the women in our society for the first seven years of our kids' lives and if you have multiple children, that that number just continues to get extended out. And so you take those gaps and those, you know, part-time work during those years. And it is, it's a massive difference, you know, if you're sitting on the sidelines or even partially on the sidelines. So, I mean, I, I agree. So let's go ahead and take our second break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is Holland Henderson, and again, I'm here with Katie Wyatt and Leah Hacker. Um, so the one of the reasons why I wanted to tackle this podcast, um, you know, even being, like I said, the lone man in the room, I'm thinking about my daughters, right? I'm thinking about those two very special people that I have at home. So one of the conversations that I had with my oldest, she doesn't always like going to school, Um you know, just because she's my kid and I didn't like going to school either. So my hope is that she had, she really does have a passion for learning. She's a good student. She just doesn't want to be bothered by waking up in the morning. That's part of it. But the cool thing is that I, I, I get to have the conversation of saying, Hey, listen, you have more opportunities ahead of you than the people behind you did. And we constantly kind of talk about that. And she doesn't really have the context because she's so young right now to fully understand that. But I hope that gets buried into her heart. But you know, what, what does it look like for the women that are coming behind you that are in, what what are you excited about in that? Are you excited? Well, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. I'm okay Uh, with loaded. uh, uh, Can we be both? I think this is a both and for me it is. Well, Um, answer, answer it both ways. um, So what am I excited about? I'm excited that, uh, 
that there are you are correct there are more opportunities than there have ever been women are graduating college in record numbers they are moving they are their careers are progressing they have a choice if they want how they want to build their life um and architect their decisions which is really powerful um i love the fact that some of these difficult but necessary conversations are coming to the forefront and we're giving them space to talk about um and talk about in from all kind of from all perspectives i think that's really important and exciting um and i think at the same time some of the conversations that we're having about the value of women in the workplace or the role of women in society and kind of all of those very large, broad topics, it's 2023 and we're still having the same conversations. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some of that that is, it does feel, it feels disheartening and discouraging. Um, And you know that the next generation still has their work cut out for them. As many opportunities as as we've handed them um, or that, that have been architected for them, there's still more work to be done. Yeah, I, I totally I agree with that because I think that sometimes it feels like, you know, we take three steps forward and then, you know, slide back. And, and there there's sometimes where you're like, haven't we had this conversation? I mean, mm-hmm. but I think that one of the things that I know is that what I love about the younger generations coming up is they seem like I, Leah said they're less afraid to have these conversations and have them in a way that are meaningful and not just, okay, we had that conversation, let's move on. They really want to start to solve problems and they want to listen to things. And, and, you know, at Indy Atlantic, we actually have uh, three different generations on our staff. You know, we have, uh, we, we have Gen X and the millennials and the Gen Z. And so it's been really, we, we all kind of joke about it. Uh, Okay. Like what is your, what's your perspective on this or what's your perspective, but we've had a great time learning from each other. And and one of the things I love is that specifically among younger women is they're very unapologetic about being themselves. And mm-hmm. they they don't have, at least from my perspective, as much of that imposter syndrome that yeah. maybe some of, uh, you know, the of women, you know, a little bit older might have where you feel like you have to constantly um, prove that you deserve to be there. They just they're there and they're like, I'm here. And I love that. I think that's a great thing. I'm seeing a lot of more confidence in from that perspective. And I hope it continues because I think that when we stop feeling like we have to prove that we should be somewhere, that we should be in a room, that we have more time to be able to really lean into what our jobs are and what we're doing and find creative solutions. Do you think it's uh, just the society's kind of catching up to an expectation of belonging? Like I belong in the room, so I'm just going to go ahead and walk in. Like I mean, uh, you, you, I I look at my kids, and they just they walk into any room with the expectation that they're supposed to be there. I mean, that's kind of where they're at in their age. But do you think that that kind of has taken hold? Whereas before, whenever you guys were entering into your field, and also the women that came behind you, it was more of, "Am I supposed to be here? Is it okay that I, you know?" Perhaps. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe that is. I think. To be fair, those of we still there are moments we still feel that way. Sure, like we walk into a room and we're yeah. like, right. I'm not saying the pro- I'm not saying the problem solved. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, do you, with, with the younger generation, do you think that they're, they just have an expectation of, or it's become more normalized, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think one of the things too, that's happening, the social media, you know, what, however you feel about social media, I think that there are more, we are starting to see more women out there. They're talking about themselves, but you know, I think a lot of women grew up feeling like, hey, you need to kind of be quiet about what you do. You need to be humble, don't brag. Yeah. And I think because social media, uh, we're, get, we're seeing a lot more women that are in roles that we perceive as something that I could never do that. So now you're starting to see that more and you're starting to see it you know, in the landscape of the of the business world and all that. And so I think that women are starting to be more vocal in their accomplishments and their successes. And that was one of the things with Fly Like a Girl. It was so important for me because I, you know, we there's been studies done that girls as young as the age of six don't think they're as smart. Their own gender is as smart as boys. And wow. and so I, and they start to say things like, I can't do math or I can't do science. And so I think that one of the things that happens is we aren't, as women, aren't always as good as talking about ourselves and what we do. And we sort of feel like there's this really under, you know, there's this undercurrent of, hey, if you're talking about yourself too much, you're bragging, you need to be, you know, humble. And, and so I think that I, as more women are starting to be more vocal about their successes and we're seeing more women in non-traditional roles, I think that's so important for younger girls like your daughters to see that because we don't want them at six to start to think they're not as smart as boys or that they can't do something because they're a girl. And so specifically like science and math, I mean, we know that's not true. And so for giving them opportunities, I think that's one of the beautiful things that's come out of social media is that we do get to see those things, you know, right in front of us, everyday women doing amazing things. And it gives us a little more confidence to walk into that next room. Next room. I love and, that. and Leah's right. We are. I mean, I get imposter syndrome every day. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think that I'm seeing more women doing what I'm wanting to do or doing things that I never thought I could do. And so it's really more at our hand, you know, at our fingertips now than it ever has been. Yeah. So do you Representation think Representation matters. Yeah. So do you think that's pretty integral for us to introduce young girls into STEM and STEAM and just educational opportunities is just having examples of that success. I, I think representation matters. I think it is it matters wholly, entirely, and completely it matters from a gender perspective, from a race perspective, um, from an ethnicity, ethnicity perspective. People, women we've not we didn't grow up with the examples there wasn't visible you had you know the kind of your edge cases that were incredibly successful but it was really hard to find people that looked like Katie and I who were doing really incredible things and I and to Katie's point I think social media has changed that um my neither one of my daughters had to look very far to find women who were doing incredible things in the fields that they were in um, and it, women being brave and bold and taking risks. I think we're taught to Katie's point as as girls, we're taught to mitigate risk, to not take risk and that we are not good at math and we're not good at science. Um, 
maybe not explicitly, but there's an undercurrent there. And when we learn that and we grow up with that, it plays a role in our financial decisions. It plays a role in our career choices. It plays a role in how we architect our life. Um, And it starts very young. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and take our last break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is the Risk and Reward Podcast, and I'm back with Katie Wyatt and Leah Hacker. And um, so the last segment, we were talking about representation matters and how important it is. So how as fathers, right? I mean, what would what would be, you know, a woman or a mother's advice to fathers to say, hey, these are ways that you can encourage your daughters? I love that question, um, specifically when I think about when we made Fight Like a Girl, one of the things that I loved is when we were going around to the different film festivals and screenings of the film, I loved when I would see daughters coming with their fathers mm-hmm. to the film, that they sought that film out specifically because they, and, and it wasn't even, it wasn't just aviation people, right? It wasn't like a, a pilot taking his daughters. It was everybody from every spectrum. And I, what I loved about that is, I would get emails from dads saying, thank you so much for making this because now I can really show my girls what possibilities are out there for them. And so I think that's my advice is find ways to share with them things that they might not be thinking of. I mean, whether it be aviation or whatever it is, whatever experience it might be, something that maybe they wouldn't perceive themselves, a role they wouldn't perceive themselves being in. Um, and, and to really encourage that, I mean, if you've seen Fly Like a Girl, we have a young woman in it, Afton. She's 11 in the film. And her, I know her dad isn't featured in it as much. Her mom is, you know, our, the one that we interview. But her dad was incredibly supportive of her mm. and, you know, was always there driving her to, to whatever aviation thing it was if, if he, when he wasn't working uh, and equally as supportive as, as her mom. And, I think that just really we think about a lot when we think about kids in sports, right? Like we think that, okay, to become a professional baseball player, you need to start playing baseball. You know, you can't just start at like 23. I mean, some people can. There is that the the fringe Uh, edge group, right? But for most people, they've sort of played it their whole lives. And so I think if thinking about your daughters that way, if there's something that they're really passionate about, giving them the opportunities and, and thinking about it, whether it be a sport or something in STEM or something in the creative arts, whatever it is, giving them opportunities to experience those things. And they don't have to be expensive things, right? There's a lot of free things out there. I mean, I heard that Bonnet Springs did a wonderful like STEM camp last week for kids. Uh, And so I think that, and it was all free. So there's lots of opportunities. It's just looking for them and, and, and dads taking their daughters to do those things. I think has a, I, I mean, I remember my dad taking me out to watch shuttle launches mm-hmm. growing up as a kid. And maybe, who knows, maybe that was sort of the thing. I think that had a huge impact on me making Fly Like a Girl later on is my dad like rushing me out and telling me all the, you know, different information about that shuttle and this and that. I mean, that had an impact on me. And so taking those opportunities and not just assuming that they wouldn't be interested in that because they're a girl or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think that that assumption thing is so important. Um, it's easy to make assumptions that they're just not going to be interested in it because it's, they're not a girl. Um, but some of the most, in, in raising my girls and also in growing up myself, having a, my dad advocated 
for me in a lot of different areas. Uh, he was vocal about when I, he was vocal that I could do, I could do the things I wanted to do. And w- when I, as I grew up and I had daughters of my own and my husband and I are talking about re- raising them, watching my husband advocate for my girls. There are just some things that he brought to the table, that his voice brought to the table, that mine just didn't. And that was okay. That was his role to play in their lives. And he, they needed to hear those things from their dad. They needed to know that they were good at those things, that he was confident that they were good at those things. Um, When it came time to drop Chloe off at college, he sat down and taught her about investing. When Ava turned 18, he sat down and he taught her about how how to manage money and how to negotiate for a car and like things that, that just conversations that we typically don't have with our daughters, but we really should be having. And when it came to school, um, when it came to school and academics and sports, uh, he was right there next to me, you know, cheering and cheering them on and, you know, celebrating their wins and celebrating their losses and giving them space to, to risk and to fail and to learn how to do those things confidently. Um, and I think I, I do think fathers play a huge role in that. Um, and I I think that that the, those kinds of confidence, that kind of confidence that uh, is something that's carried with them as they continue to grow and as they have their families, they'll continue to pass that on. Yeah, it's planting that seed. But I mean, so it's just the thing that's got me thinking about our conversation is if you had natural resources and, you know, that could benefit your society and you didn't use 51 percent of them. Right. And so how much untapped potential do we have in a vast number of areas when we when we have that population? What a what a beautiful thing. So I I like to end the podcast on, you know, something that's positive. So tell me about a woman in your life that has been influential, um, either in you personally know that person or they are. Um, you know, just in name only, some, some, you know, historical or famous, you know, just the top of your head. This is not necessarily number one position, so I don't, I don't want you to feel like you're leaving someone out. I'll, I'll go ahead and make that disclaimer. No pressure. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to get it out. I'm just going to get it out there. My mom, like, always is, like, the first one I think of. Um, and, and I know that kind of sounds like, okay, well, you know, that's the obvious answer, but uh, my mom actually was a stay-at-home mom for the, for a good portion of my life. And so, um, but she was really passionate about making sure I had um, opportunities to make choice. And I think that's something when we're talking about women to have the opportunity to make the choice of what our career, what our lives look like. And I mean, she worked really hard. I think that she always talks about how my dad worked super hard. And I thought, um, mom, you were raising three kids, mm. you know, when my dad had a very demanding job. And at one point we kind of lived in the middle of nowhere. And I think like she had to come up with all this stuff for us to do. And so my mom to me is always the, like one of the first ones that comes to mind. Uh, and if I'm just gonna, if I'm allowed to have a second, uh, for, allow <laughs> for, uh, Fly Like a Girl, uh, Patty Wagstaff is an incredible mm. uh, aerobatic pilot. Um, and so she is one of the first women that I could ever remember seeing fly that way. And I truly believe if I had not seen her fly out at um, 
Sun and Fun years ago that I would not be have been making the document would not have made Fall Like a Girl. And so for me, she's somebody that is just super incredible. She wasn't pretty impressive human or is, I mean, on the documentary. It's pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. So um, God, I've got, I have over the years, I have had just so many women come stand next to me and coach me or advocate for me or walk alongside me. Um, and each chapter, sometimes it's the same, sometimes it's different. So they all know who they are. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I love them with my whole heart. Um, and I wouldn't be who I am without them today. And I know that uh, outside of my close circle, there are some kind of representative figures that I think are just super phenomenal women that if I could ever, ever sit down and have coffee with them, I would jump at the chance. Um, so M Michelle Obama, I think just mm -hmm. kind of from a, grace under fire perspective uh just absolutely incredible um the list goes on i have so i don't there's like, a lot it's like an oscar speech now. yeah <laughs> i know there's a lot i just i think there are just so many incredible women that are doing incredible things yeah um and i think that's i would have coffee with any of them cool well thank you guys for uh being on the show uh we're pretty much out of time but i'd love for you guys to uh, just say where you can be reached at or um, whatever you want to promote. I mean, the documentary is great. Loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah. So um, if you go to Indie Atlantic Films website, uh, you can uh, reach out to me to connect that way through email uh, and find out more about Fly Like a Girl. If it, We have a link on there about the film. Uh, and then also, you know, just I'm out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I try to do TikTok. I'm terrible at it, which is funny, but... Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's where you can find me. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, if you want to know more about me or reach me or you want to learn more about Revel, head to our website uh, and you can reach out there, revel-co.com. Awesome. Thank you, ladies, very much uh, for what you're doing in our community as well as being on the podcast. And this is Holland Henderson with Allen & Company. Go to our website at alleninvestments.com. There's a lot of great material, a lot of great podcasts and blogs. Uh, please visit our site. And until next time, have a wonderful day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Investment advisory services offered through Allen & Company of Florida, LLC, Allen & Co., and its affiliate LPL Financial, LLC, LPL, registered investment advisors. Securities offered through LPL, member FINRA, SIPC.